I'm Greg Fairchild. I'm a faculty member at the Darden School, and family-owned businesses have always been a central theme of what has driven my work. Dollar Tree stores are an American institution. For many of you, there's a Dollar Tree somewhere in your community. This major retail force, having 14,000 stores across 48 states, started as a family-owned business in Norfolk, Virginia. The Perry family is a family that was in the retail business in toys, and that family continued to grow that business but then realized that having been caught by external factors, that is the growth of, of big box stores and toys, they wanted to continue in retailing but wanted to be innovative and came up with the idea of a single price point store, a store where every product, everything sold would be $1. That idea started with the Perry family, also involved Macon Brock. Macon Brock married into the Perry family. Years ago, I spent time talking with Macon Brock and the Perry family about the way they'd grown Dollar Tree from Norfolk, Virginia to being a firm that reaches from sea to shining sea. It is truly a remarkable growth story, a remarkable story about a business that by its very nature consistently innovates in its product design, its product delivery, but finding ways to offer products at price points that are comfortable for the average American. I think you'll find some really helpful lessons as you listen to Doug Perry and Macon Brock, who since passed. Doug, let's start at the beginning. Where did Dollar Tree come from? Well, it was uh, we were in the toy business, and we operated a toy chain called K&K Toys, which was a family business, which we had started uh, in 1971. We opened our first mall-based toy store, and that was called K&K Toys. And we had a big variety store in Norfolk, Virginia, that had the big toy department in it that my family had operated for years and years. And then my brother-in-law and myself, uh, Macon Brock, came into the business. And we started in the toy business because of our toy reputation within that variety store. As the years went on and the toy business continued to prosper, we saw as we got into the late 70s and the early 80s that the toy business was changing. There was a consolidation within the industry between uh, the manufacturers uh, out there. Also, the Nintendos and the Ataris of the world, all the video-type games and so forth were coming on strong. So it was eating into the mainstay toy business as we knew it. And also, you had Toys R Us open on every mall pad site. You had Walmart opening in every town. And in addition, you had KB Toy and Hobby, which was our competition at the time, coming into malls that we were in, and we were going into malls that they were in, so we were just cutting the pie a little smaller. The business continued to do well, but we just saw our opportunities limited as time went on. So we decided in the mid-'80s that we would 
start looking at another business to get into, another retail business. We had the infrastructure built. We had the financial capability to do it. We had the distribution. We had everything in place to operate another, uh, another retail business. So we decided that we would look at different businesses, but we zeroed in on a concept that we operate today. There was an, a group in Norfolk, Virginia at the time, or Virginia Beach, I should say, called Everything's a Dollar. They were operating uh, maybe four or five stores. We took a look at them, decided that they had a pretty good concept going, but it was more of a, I don't want to say a junk store, but just had a mismatch of merchandise. We still had our variety store operating at Ward's Corner in Norfolk. We still operated that because that was kind of like our first store. It was our baby. So we knew the variety business. We knew where we could get product. We knew that we had the capability of pulling it off. We also had the relationship with the developers because they knew us. They knew that we operated a good retail outlet. So we decided to get into the dollar business. And kind of how it started, we uh, started looking at everything's a dollar. We went into their stores. We bought a much, bunch of merchandise. We came in back to our office, and we sat down around a conference table and said, we can do this, that this can be done, that it's, uh, it, it, it looks like something that we could really grow and do well in. Let's talk about partners and people. What really built our company, and I haven't spoke to this yet, is I, I speak about uh, my two partners and myself, but we had a great organization of people. And that, to me, was the most key ingredient to the success of our company. And I think what gives me pride when I look back is that we've made a lot of our people very wealthy beyond their wildest dreams. And we have people that are with our company that started early on that are now worth four, five, six, seven, eight million dollars. Sold some stock, they still have options. We have forklift operators that are probably worth four or five hundred thousand dollars. And to me, if you can develop a company wherever you may be, whatever industry you may be in, if you can't share it with your people and bring your people along with you, then I don't think you'll be a success. I think any successful company, whatever it may be, is driven and is successful because of the people, and you need to take care of them because they're going to take care of you. How much money do you need, really? And I look at myself, how much do I need if I can't share it with others? So we've been very fortunate to be able to do that. How do relationships impact businesses? I think relationships outside of any business is very important because you build relationships on trust, integrity, and paying your bills, of course. But I think, you know, when you do business with somebody, whether it's a vendor, whether it's a developer, whether it's the bank that you're uh, getting your line of credit from, whether it's the technology people or whoever it may be, you deal with the person. And if you have confidence in the person's ability and integrity, then I think that that says volumes. And I think if you ever lose that, if you ever get caught in a lie, that you can never regain that. So for our company and our people that are part of our company, integrity, honesty uh, has always been on the forefront. And we talk that all the time because it's the most important ingredient. 
And also, I think being happy at home is important. And I think if you're not happy at home and you don't have a stable family life, your business is great and you can be involved in the business and love it. And it can be almost number one. But if your family is not number one, then you won't be good at at your job. So I think for us and our company is how we built it, was that family is important as well as your business is important. Doug, tell me about your transition out of the company. How did that come to be? I decided early on in my life that I did not want to work forever. Uh, My father worked forever. He's still alive. He's 86. He's, he's doing pretty well. He's, you know, not that great a health. But he came into the office and had an office in our corporate headquarters till he was 75, 78 years old. Still came in, didn't have any hobbies. Work was his hobby. I mean, he did a few things outside of the business, but really work was his thing. I loved my job. I thought it was terrific. I liked what I did. I liked being around the people. But I decided that I didn't want to do it forever because, you know, life doesn't go on forever. As they say, it's not a dress rehearsal. And I knew that we were all going to die. And I wanted to enjoy my success with my wife and travel and do things with her because she's my best friend. So I decided that I was going to just stop. And enough was enough. And how much more wealth can you create? How much more satisfaction can you get? And I don't have a big ego, so I felt that, you know, I had done my thing. I was part of the company that took it to this point, and so now it'll be another management team to take it to the next level. And I have not looked back one bit, and I decided that when you decide you're going to step out of the role, that you're either in or out, you can't be in halfway. And I've seen so many people who try to keep their finger on it, but they do it from a distance, and I don't think that's healthy for a company. So I said, this is it. I'm leaving, and uh, I stayed on the board, and that's where we are at this point. Macon, how did you enter the family business? Well, my earliest uh, exposure to the retail business was as as a drugstore clerk in high school, but that really doesn't qualify. Actually, I think my involvement in the and the business could be traced to, uh, to my marriage to Joan uh, Perry, whose father had a retail store. And I had gone on another career and been in the Marine Corps and, the, and worked for Naval Intelligence and a few other jobs. And uh, he invited me to come into his Ben Franklin store, which was at that time called K&K 5 and 10. That was in 1968. And that was my first exposure to the current path to retail and uh, it worked out quite well. I, I liked retail and uh, I adopted to it. it. It was a little adjustment at first coming out of government work, but uh, I took to it right well. What are the benefits and advantages of a family business? I think family businesses are a big benefit, particularly starting out. You, you know the, who the players are. It's, uh, you've got the support of a family in a, in a situation such as ours. It was quite beneficial. It was a very... Uh, favorable conditions to, to start to work, and uh, I think it's a, it doesn't preclude going into business on your own as far as just going to work for a big corporation, but you do have the support as a young person of a family, and I think that's important. Realizing that the business was, uh, was good for me was 
was the family atmosphere. My wife worked in the business with me. Of course, we were raising children. It was always in a support role. But uh, we all got along real well, and, and you didn't have the pressures of corporate politics, I think. So I think that's the advantage of a family business, particularly in the starting out. Well, I think as businesses grow, the family dynamics are always a challenge for people to uh, keep the personalities in order and to work for the business. But we always did it very, very well because we put the business first. We never let personalities uh, interfere with the business principles. We were very business-oriented. Macon, let's talk about the transition from the toy business to what would become Dollar Tree. Well, I think as we, Doug Perry and myself, we were the two partners in this business, uh, along with Ray Compton, who was a, we brought in when we formed this company as a partner as well. Uh, we were anxious to have a diversification strategy because our toy business was beginning to slow, becoming difficult to grow. We were at that stage about a hundred, uh, close to a hundred stores. I can't remember exactly. That must have been in the middle eighties. And in discussing a way to get another, uh, kind of a retail business to expand, which would give us uh, leverage with landlords, because at that time all our stores were in shopping malls, and we considered ourselves a mall-based retailer. But we had competition in that sector in the toy business, so we thought, Doug and I, if we could get another use, then that would give us some leverage. And at that time, Doug handled all the real estate. I was the merchant and the operator of the business. We sort of splitting responsibilities. And I believe it was Doug's uh, idea, let's try, this, let's try this dollar business. And I said, well, yeah, we put our heads together and said, well, let's, let's try it. And so I certainly would give Doug credit for the, for the idea of let's doing it because he was out there with the landlords trying to get another uh, use. And that worked because as we wanted, the, we'd go to a shopping so, um, uh, center developer and say, we want to put the toy store in, and we could give him another use as well, so we had at least two spaces. And that was the leverage idea that started it. So it was mostly just on a lark, let's try it. We already had variety store background, so let's try this one and see if it worked. And of course it did, gave us leverage, and we were able to grow several years with both chains until the late 80s, early 90s, when we of course subsequently made the decision to sell the toy business. How did you think about your own succession planning? Well, my role uh, as the CEO of the company during this rather rocky but fun era has been to succeed myself and to plan for management development all the while. One thing has changed so dramatically in the growth of the company from a few hundred stores to many thousands of stores, you can't run it the way you used to. So I ran everything and I can no longer do that. So we recognized that early on. And the board advised me in working with me that the, the biggest job now is to succeed yourself plus provide for the future. So I set about a plan five years ago of secession management, hiring who is the man who is now the CEO, Bob Sasser, who recently ascended to that job in January. And I've taken five years to make that transition as seamless as possible, by the way, so that you don't disrupt the markets and the streets comfortable with it. But to do that throughout the organization, as people who were with us in the early days have, in some cases, moved on or moved over because the skill sets that are required to run a company this big grow and change as the company changes. So we've set about 
secession planning in all departments and moving from a rather hands-on, boilerplate, no-technology business, which we once were, to a fully integrated, uh, technologically driven retailer, not that I'm trying to use a big word to say uh, that we're a technology company because we're really not, but you can't run a company this size and 10 distribution centers across 48 states without some systems to support it. So we've set about putting those systems in, and we're still putting them in today and, and growing the company quite profitably. Doug and Macon, thank you so much for your time today.